Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey guys, it's good to see you here today. I got a great message for you. I think it's going to bring a lot of peace. And and you know what? If you have been making, or if you made a lot of bad decisions, or if you have been making occasional bad decisions, it really doesn't matter. But one of the things I'm going to do for you today is I'm going to unravel some of the things that probably have had you confused. And, and, and I'm going to help you find your way out of these bad decisions that you have made. Now, remember, we, we talked about this last week. Every decision that you make is made from beliefs. And in order to get you on a path to overcoming bad decisions and get you on a path to making good decisions, there's a lot of b- beliefs that we have to deal with. You know, uh, there was one of the great revivalists, uh, Jonathan Edwards, or one of the great revivalist preachers, you know, of days gone by. And man, he, he had this sermon that he would preach. It, it was called Falling into the Hands of an Angry God. And he would, actually, he would just read it, as I understand. He would just go in and read it. He wasn't really that great of a preacher. And man, people would just flip out and, and you know, they would run to the altar. They would repent. They would you know, want to get out of sin. And, you know, sadly, revival that is based on fear actually never lasts. I have seen this happen over and over and over again where where churches would begin to talk about having, you know, great revivals and, you know, numbers of people getting saved and all this kind of stuff. But really all it was was just scare tactics that that made people afraid. And, you know, they would, they would give these kinds of invitations where it's like, you know, you may walk out here today and you may walk out that door and a car may hit you and you may be dead and you may never make it home and tonight you'll be in hell. You know, those those kinds of things. And, and, you know, that's what we used to call fire and brimstone type uh, sermons. But I want to talk to you tonight about falling into the hands of angry men. That is the problem that we tend to face when we make bad decisions. First, let me, let me define something for you. You know, the Bible says that because we are in Christ, that we are delivered from the curse of the law. So, if you're a born-again believer, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. That means anything that God would do to you, he would have to do to Jesus first. And part of the covenant of peace, which is the name of the new covenant, is that uh, you know Jesus bore the wrath of God on the cross. And God promised, I will never, you will never have to receive wrath from me again. You'll never have to uh, taste of this curse again. My kindness will never depart from you. And so based on this new covenant, we we have to start there. What is the covenant and what do we have? And like I said, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. And the, Jesus became the curse that we deserve. Now, when you begin to look at the word curse in the Hebrew language, you find a lot of really interesting subtleties. But one of the things I want you to realize is this is since we have been delivered from the curse by the Lord Jesus, then God would have to deny uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in order to put a curse on us. 
And so the church lives under this unscriptural uh, delusion that whenever we do things wrong, when we do bad things, the, 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 our, uh, and then those bad consequences start coming to us, that that's God punish, uh, punishing us, putting us under the curse, making us pay for the things that, that we have that, that we've done wrong. Well, that, again, that can't be the truth because of the fact that we are, in fact, uh, baptized into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are delivered from the curse. Now, from the Hebrew language, and, and you know, I've talked this over with my, with my Hebrew teacher, uh, Chaim Bentor, which I really, really respect, and uh, an incredible Hebrew teacher. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, that the curse... The better way to understand a curse, even in the Old Testament, the better way to understand a curse is that, you know, there are things that God warns us not to do, and he warns us that doing these things, you know, any type of sin, that there's always going to be some level of death and destruction that's going to come with it. Now, the problem is, we have this idea that since God is the one that is warning us, then God is the one that brings that that curse on us. Well, that's really not true. That's like saying uh, that the the mother who warns her child not to play in the street is the one that goes out and gets a car and runs over him just to show him how wrong he is. You know, and you know the Bible says if you be an evil and allow to be good parents, then surely you know God is going to be better than than we are. So the curse is when we choose something that God warns us not to choose, not to get involved in. We ignore Him, and then the problem is when we get that thing that we have wanted, we also get the consequences. And those consequences, this is called the law of sowing and reaping. And the law of sowing and reaping is not, I do something and God punish me. The law of sowing and reaping is the what's growing up in my life, what I'm experiencing in my life is always based on the seed that I am planting in my life and in, and in the world around me. So, so we have to understand that, you know, Jesus had deliver, has delivered us from the curse but uh, uh, keep in mind, the curse that, that Jesus has delivered us from is any, any expectation of punishment, any expectation of judgment from God. So everything between us and God is resolved through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But the problem is um, the things that we do is not resolved between us and other people. So what happens is whenever we do things uh, that uh, hurt other people, or when we have moral failures, or, or when we make really bad decisions, or when we treat people in an unacceptable way, then you know, getting acceptance and forgiveness from God is, is just as simple as realizing, Jesus, you know, I, I, I own this, and I know that you already died for this. I know you've already paid for this. And so I, I, accept, the, I accept the cleansing of your blood, I, and I choose to come out of this. This isn't who I want to be. And, you know, with, with God, it's about more than just I want forgiveness. I want, I want forgiveness, but I also want to come out of this. I want to be, I want to be a different person. Now, so what tends to happen is that whenever we do things that are 
unacceptable. Then the problem is there are always people around us who out of their fear, out of their unbelief, out of their own wicked heart many times, and sometimes they think they're serving God, they feel like it is their job to make sure that we are punished. They think it's their job to make sure that everybody always remembers whatever our particular personal failure was. You know, I have been on the board of many churches and many ministries. And it's always been a really interesting thing to me if a pastor has some kind of discretion, and you know it may be it may be a simple discretion. I'm not I'm not saying what kind of discretion, but but when a pastor has a discretion, it's really an interesting thing that there's always somebody on the board or somebody in the ministerial team that feels like it is their righteous duty to expose this pastor and expose their failure to everybody. And you know, I in every one of those situations, and let me say this, if, if a minister is a, is a predator, they need to be out of the ministry and they do need, they do need to be exposed uh, for the protection of the innocent, you know, God's first reasoning for even having uh, uh, laws, if you will, civil and social laws, is to protect the innocent. That's that's the first and the foremost thing that God always wants to do. So I don't want somebody in the ministry that's a predator. I don't want somebody in the ministry that's stealing money on an ongoing basis that just keeps committing these these same infractions over and over again. Uh, that's somebody that doesn't need to be in the ministry. But also, I don't want my friends to get hurt by these kinds of people. Now, that doesn't that does not mean that I take it upon myself to be sure that this person is exposed. I'm not I'm not talking about that. But so many times in situations where a minister wasn't a predator, he wasn't he he really had, didn't have a track record of hurting or using people. He just made a bad decision, and that bad decision, you know, it could be really really serious. Or it could be not so serious, but usually there's always some greedy, insecure person who really sees this as their opportunity to grab the brass ring and take over that ministry and really get a ministry that they never had the calling or the character to build, to steal it from somebody else. And, uh, and they have no concern for how many of the people they will hurt. And uh, it is just the saddest thing in the world. So, you know, we started out last week talking about David and all of these things that started happening in David's life. Well, the truth is these things that were happening in David's life, even though at one point in time, David actually thought maybe it was God leading all of these people to do all of these horrible things to him. As a matter of fact, uh, um, there was a man by the name of Shimei, and he was a relative of Saul, and Saul was the previous king. And uh, God took the kingdom away from Saul and gave the kingdom to David. And so when David had his failure with, with Bathsheba, and Absalom started, you know, started uh, uh, working his plans to overthrow the kingdom, uh, this, guy, uh, this guy Shimei, who was a relative of Saul, who despised the fact that David had had been called to the ministry that, that Saul once had. And so <clears throat> whenever David is, is trying to get out of the city and get away from Absalom, which let me say this, 
Uh, David was trying to protect Israel. The truth is David still had the military following where he could have immediately killed Absalom. He didn't want to kill Absalom. He was a man of mercy, and sometimes he took his mercy to such a place where it where he suffered you know because of uh, of his mercy and sometimes you know whatever your whatever your greatest strength is is always going to be your greatest weakness a person who is always trying to function in mercy sometimes if they're not careful they will start functioning in enabling and it seemed like david had a pattern of enabling absalom and so anyhow uh, uh shimei follows David out of the city, throwing rocks and throwing dirt on him and cursing him and, you know, speaking curses over him. Well, at some point, you know, uh, 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 David's right-hand man, who was, who was always there to protect David, said, let me go over and take this guy's head off. And David said, well, uh, you know what? Let him curse because maybe the Lord... Maybe the Lord said to him, curse David. So who then shall say, uh, why have you done so? In other words, we, we can't go, we can't kill him for this. God might have told him to come and do this. Well, you know what? That was one of those places where David had great intentions. He had a lot of mercy. He had a great in heart, great heart. But in that situation, his theology was completely wrong. Remember, God does not curse what he has blessed. And, and in fact, uh, you know, when the Bible talks about uh, uh, the way of Balaam and, and really it gets into the difference between the way of Balaam, which was, was how that Balaam served, he used his ministerial gift just for money and just for a way to profit. Uh, but, there, but there's also, and I don't remember the, the, the particular New Testament word that's used, used about, but there's a way of Balaam. But then, then there's also the doctrine of Balaam. And the doctrine of Balaam was that God will curse what he is blessed. The Bible is very clear. God does not curse what he has blessed. And so, and so, when, so many times our heart condemns us. And, you know, the Apostle John warned us about this in the book of First John, that when we don't walk in love, our heart condemns us. But we always have to remind ourselves God is greater than our heart. And just because you're feeling something in your heart does not make it so. It does not make it scriptural. It does not mean that, that, that that's what God is doing. It may be what you're, it may be what you're experiencing, but it is absolutely not what what God is doing. So I want you to understand something. Whenever you have failures, there's always going to be people that are going to come out of the woodwork. That They're going to use your failure as a way to feel better about themselves. They're going to use this failure to get even with you because of things that, that they're jealous of you about or they're angry with you about or you know just the fact that they feel disappointment. You know, uh, the first crusade I ever did was in a college town down in, uh, in, in Alabama, uh, and wasn't, it, it, wasn't, it actually was in uh, Jacksonville, Alabama. And so I went down to do this thing, and so there was a guy, a great friend that was helping me, and, and you know, he'd been saved. He grew up in church, and, you know, here I was. I've been saved a minute, and, uh, and here I'm out here, you know, conducting a crusade and, and trying to start churches and all this kind of stuff. And so we were going around to television stations, and he was driving me around because I didn't know where they were. And uh, I was doing these interviews about this crusade that we we're going to have, talk about the Lord. So, you know, one, one day we were sitting there, one morning we were sitting there, and I was waiting for them to call me onto the set to do the interview. 
And, and he turned and looked at me, and he had this kind of, this look of disgust or contempt or whatever. And he said, this should be me. I, I'm like, what, what do you mean? He said, this should be me. This should not be you. And he said, look at you. You know, he had on a nice suit. He had on nice clothes. I had on casual clothes. But that's just kind of who I was and who I've always been. And uh, he said, this should be me that God is using to do all this stuff. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, you're probably right. It probably should be you. And it wouldn't bother me if you if you got it and did it. I'm just doing it because I got a passion to do it. And I feel like, you know, you know I feel like that's what God wants me to do. So, so, you know, one of the things that I was faced with, and by the way, let me tell you, when I was a young believer, I just didn't have much tact and growing in tact. You know, I've always been merciful and I've always, I've always sought to be kind. But you know what? When you grow up the way I did, where you're around a bunch of criminals and bootleggers, you know, everybody's a liar. Everybody's a thief. Everybody will hurt you. Everybody will steal from you. Uh, you know, you don't have a whole lot of tax. So, so I was really pretty crude. I, and I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry to say that. And uh, so really a lot of Christians despise the fact that I was out winning people to Jesus. I was starting Bible study groups. I was starting churches. I was having crusades. I was doing all these things. And, and you know, I didn't really realize it. But since I didn't fit into the mold that they thought you should fit into if God was going to bless you and use you, then in their mind, it, it, I wasn't qualified. And, you know, as far as I was concerned, I, I really wasn't qualified. But, uh, but one of the interesting things that happened to me was, was, was years later after I got saved, and, uh, you know, most of you all know I about died when I was in my 20s. And so, man, I'm telling you what, I went through some horrible times. I pretty much lost everything that I had. And, uh, I'm, and I did have some failures in my life. And, and they were all public. I, you know, I never have been much for hiding failures. And so what's interesting, so many of those people that begrudged me, this was their opportunity to publicly come out against me. And you know what? I, I understand. That's, that's their right. That's their choice. I wasn't going to go fight with anybody. But I'm just telling you, this is what happens when you make decisions, bad decisions, or when you have failures or shortcomings in your life, that people can see. All of the people that think it should be them that's getting blessed. All the people, you know, that, that like I say, that feel bad about themselves and they need to put somebody else down. That's the only way they can feel bad about themselves. All of those people uh, are, are going to turn against you. You know, whenever, uh, so, so, you know, when Absalom started this whole thing, it's really, it's really, really interesting how Absalom did this. And, and, and let me tell you something. Insecure people always try to get a party spirit going. Now, you know, the book of Galatians, when it talks about the works of the flesh, talks about a party spirit. Party spirit would be like the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Baptist Party, the Methodist Party. Party spirit is basically where people come together and create groupthink, where they all say the same things and, and you know, they're not listening to God for themselves. And, and, and they come together and as a group, they try to use group force to bring about their will and, and you know, particular situations. And so... So insecure people are always doing this. And this is going to be one of the first things that an insecure person is going to do when they discover your vulnerability. It's like, it's like blood in the water and the sharks start coming. 
And uh, it's really interesting. And uh, 2 Samuel 15, 6, it talks about how that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. You know, Absalom did something. Man, I don't even know if we're going to have time to get into it today. But Absalom did something. Absalom was a man who did not have his own kingdom. He did not have his own following. So he used and manipulated David to get a position in Israel. And then he used that position to get a group and create group think and turn people against his father, David. And so it says, uh, it says, uh, it, it, well, it talks about Absalom. It says, so uh, Second Corinthians 15, 2, it says that Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So, you know, people always came in to see the king uh, through the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call him and say, in other words, so, so he said, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe too, isn't it? I'm right over by the same town that you're from. Then Absalom would say to them, uh, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king near you. Moreover, Absalom would say, if only I were made a judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or any cause could come to me and I would make sure that they really get justice. <laughs> you know, uh, golly, you know, the Bible talks about how that, uh, you know, the slander hate really hates the person that they slander. And it talks about the fact that the thing that God hates more than anything else is somebody that causes a discord among the brother. But it is amazing how many people will use your shortcomings and your failings to create a group think and divide people against one another. You know, I know of several ministries, and I'm talking about several. I've been doing it, you know, I am in my I am in my 49th year of ministry. I've been doing this a long time. I've seen it all. And I know of an incredible number of ministries around the country and around the world that they're good people. And honestly, I think, they, I think most of them have something to say and they're beneficial. But for whatever reason, they always fail. They, they can't really attract their own following. They can't really uh, pull people together and, and, and build. So what they do is they, they get close to someone. And then they start name dropping and using their connection with that person to open doors and to get places to go preach and to get people to come and listen to what they've, you know, what they've got to what, what they what they've got to say. And eventually, at some point, they will do exactly what Absalom did. They will they will start saying, for example, uh, if. Uh, I remember there was there was one particular big Bible college I used to preach in, and there was one of these guys that was in there like that. And basically, you know, I don't care if somebody uses my messages if they make them real and make them their own. And uh, I'm fine with it. That's why, you, that's why I share what I share, so people can take it, live it, use it, and, and share it, and help other help other people. And uh, but what would be interesting is is uh, these guys or girls would not want people to know that they were getting their information from me because they're, they, they were in this, for, had a lot of ego and insecurity driving them. So, so it was important that they alienate people from me so that they could convince their followers that, that they were the originators of, of all this stuff. Man, I, I don't see that just happening to me, man. I see that happen to people, to, to good ministries and good ministers all across the country. Well, even if you're not in the ministry, that's going to happen to you on some level. 
people who want the friends that you've got, people who want whatever it is that they're jealous of you about, they have to separate their friends from you. So my point is this. Our problem is not getting forgiveness from God. Our, our problem is not coming to a place of peace in God. Our problem is that we, we're not in the hands of an angry God. We're in the hands of angry, judgmental people who seek to use this opportunity, our failure, as an opportunity to boost their uh, their Facebook posts. I don't know, you know, whatever. But 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 I I want you to understand something that, that you can never 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 get beyond uh, the hurt and the shame and the struggle that you're feeling if you blame God for what the people are doing. You'll be just like King David, where this guy's throwing rocks at him and cursing him and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, well, maybe God, maybe that's what God wants to have happen. And you know, you may be like David saying, that's that's really. I deserve that. I, you know, I mean, I deserve that based on my failure, based on my bad decisions I make. I deserve that. Well, praise God. We don't get what we deserve in Jesus. Now, I am not talking about just getting away with stuff because I'm telling you, society is not going to let you get away with stuff. Society is not going to let you keep lying and or stealing or being immoral or any of those issues. Society is not going to let you uh, get get by with that over and over again they're going to ostracize you they're going to push you out and the sad thing is is for most people when that happens most people whether they think it's god causing or not at some point they're going to get mad and they're going to feel like that they're being persecuted that they're being tormented and that other people have no right to be doing the things to them that they're doing and so your whole reaction your whole reaction to it could exacerbate the situation and it usually does because usually what happens when people when people are are coming out against you because of bad decisions because of failures in, in your life like i say your response is what matters. What they're doing doesn't really matter. And you can live above that. That's one of the things you've got to learn how to do is you've got to learn how to live above the opposition that comes around you, whether it's justified or it's not justified. But number one, the number one failure people make is that God is doing this to punish me. Well, that can't be true. If you're born again and you're in Jesus and Jesus has delivered you from the curse of the law, in other words, from anything that legally could and should happen between you and God, that's dealt with. And all God wants you to do is come out of that and move you forward, start building your life and developing your heart. But who knows how long it's going to take before people forgive you, before people release you from their judgment, before people reach a place. You know, back in the 80s, man, there was a bunch of preachers. I am telling you, Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker. I can't even remember the name. I mean, there were a bunch of big name preachers that just fell. And uh, one of the things I used to notice is that people would see these guys when they were trying to just go on with their life. And they say, well, I don't think they really repented. I'm like, well, how do you, how, what are you basing that on? And, you know, they could never base it on anything. But what it usually came down to is if that person had not seen Jim Baker or Jimmy Swerve, if they had not seen them suffer enough, it wasn't enough that they were suffering in every way imaginable. That person had to see it. And that person, it's sort of like, when I see you suffer enough, then I'll believe that you've repented, even though suffering has nothing to do with repentance. 
and all that. So, so I want you to I want you to think about this. I, I want you, if you're facing reactions from from people for bad decisions, and you know, I'm not talking about super 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 bad moral decisions. It doesn't matter tonight. I want you to get alone with God. I want you to I want you to go to God and accept His forgiveness for blaming Him and accusing Him for the things that people are doing to you. And I'm going to tell you next week. I'm going to tell you how to move straight out of all these consequences and and really start turning your life around. I'm going to show you what David did, and then we're going to look at a, at a whole lot of other people. Listen, be sure and check out the series on this. It goes into a lot more detail than anything I'm doing right here. And uh, you know what? I go to our website. I got hundreds of, hundreds of series on that you can listen to. I want to help you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.